Good morning. Thank you so much. Hey, listen, we're starting a brand new series today. If you have your Bibles, your iPads, your phone, whatever you use to get Scripture, you can go ahead and turn there. Genesis chapter 1 is where we're going to be this morning. And let me just tell you, we're launching a brand new series called Heroes. Now, this morning, we're going to look at the life of Abraham or Adam, but over the next several weeks, we're going to look at different personalities or different characters of the Old and of the New Testament, and we're going to begin unpacking their life on one weekend and looking at some principles that we can take and apply to our life. Now today we're going we're gonna to look at the biography, or we're going to look at the life of, 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 Abra- of Adam, I'll get it right, and his life, his life was, was marked by failure, and so we know some of that story, we're going to learn some of the, more of that story this morning, but his, even though his life was marked by failure, he did not stay there, and that, that Adam had this ability, and he walked in such a way that he had victory over the failure of his past. And so Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, here's what the scripture says. It says, the Lord God said, let us make, make man in, in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So as we walk through the book of Genesis, we learn and we watch Adam's life unfold. Adam was the, the first man and the first sin. And he brought sin into the world. He brought the sin nature into the world that affects us still to this day. Uh, Adam was the, the first husband. Uh, at first glance, it looks like he failed as a husband. When God confronted Adam and Eve about their sin of taking of the fruit, uh, Adam did not stand with his wife, but he threw his wife under the bus and did not acknowledge his sin. Uh, he was the first parent. At first glance, it would look like that he failed at, at being a parent. fact is, he had his family in a worship service, and, and the offering was being taken, pla- was taken place, and, and the plates are being passed back and forth. And all of a sudden, his son, uh, Cain and Abel, get into this fight, and one son kills the other. So, so he felt like he was a failure as a parent. But, but when you look at his life, his life at first glance appears to be a failure. But, Ab- but Adam had victory over failure. I mean, when you look at this issue of, of Adam's life, God put them in their dream home. He put them in the garden. It was a beautiful place to live. They had their dream home. It was a, a perfect place to live. And then he gave them just one commandment to follow. Not five, not 10, not 20, not 30. It was just one commandment, one rule, one commandment to follow. Just do not eat of the tree of good and knowledge. And we find that they took, I mean, the, the serpent came up to Eve and began to talk to her. And when we look at Scripture, we realize that she was not shocked by a, a snake talking to her. Now, that's what's led a lot of theologians to believe that before the fall that animals could talk. Now listen, there's some of us that believe our animals can still talk today, right? We got a dog, Molly, and we feel like Molly, you know what, communicates to us and can talk to us. And so the, the serpent came up and, and tempted Eve, and Eve took of the, of the fruit, and she, she gave it to her husband. Her husband joined her, and so they both fell. And then all of a sudden, they see themselves naked, and, and they do what a lot of us try to do when we sin, when we fall, when there's failure in our life. Uh, they tried to hide, and they tried to cover up their sin. And, and here's just the, the really cool part of this story that in the midst of, of their failure, one rule, that's it, just one, do not eat of this tree. And they blew it, and they failed. And God pursues them in the midst of their failure. I mean, I mean he goes after them. They're hiding from him, and, 
And he begins calling out, where are you? Now, God knew where they were. He wanted them to acknowledge. He wanted them to realize where they are. And so God began to call out to them and say, where are you? And they answered the question. Adam answered the question and said, we, we hid because we're, we're naked. And, and God said, who told you? And so God began to lead them in a process of a confession of sin. And, and yeah, there were consequences. And there were consequences to their sin. And there was consequences to their their actions, but God did not leave them there. And so, so Adam and Eve later on decides to, to try to start a family after God had kicked them out of, out, of, out of the garden and all the consequences and everything that went on with that. And so they started a family and they had two sons. And, and uh, one day Adam's walking, in the, in, in the, walking with his sons and just a little known story you may not have heard in Scripture. I'll, I'll share it with you. Well, it's not in Scripture, but... <laughs> so I don't want to mislead you. And so Adam's walking with his sons, and his sons look at him and say, Dad, how come we can't live in the garden? I mean, that was like a perfect place to live. We hear you and Mom talk about it all the time, about, you know, it was a perfect place to live in the garden and the perfect home and the dream home and all this other stuff. And how come we can't live in the garden anymore? And Adam looked at them and said, Son, we cannot live in the garden anymore because your mom ate us out of house and home. So, <laughs> so please don't leave here saying the pastor told us that was in Scripture. That is not in Scripture. But one son ends up killing another. And so you look at this first family and you look at, you know, they brought us a lot of first. I mean, they, they brought us the first failure. They brought us the first sin. They brought us the first marital fight. They brought us the first church fight. They brought us the first failure as a, as a parent. And so Adam and Eve, and they're just kind of out in front of all of us for us to see. But here's the is, interesting thing is, is even though they failed, God did not leave them there. And they are able to have this victory over failure. And a lot of times the reason that we can relate to someone like Adam is because every one of us in this room, at some time in our life, we failed, right? And maybe we failed multiple times. And so did Adam and Eve. And so this morning, I just want to give you four quick principles about this issue of how to have victory over failure. How are they able to have victory over failure? How are we able to have victory over failure? How are we able to take these and just apply these to our life so there's healing in our life and we understand God uh, in our life and how he pursues us? The first thing is this. If you want to have victory over failure when you failed, the first thing you have to do is look in. In other words, the first thing you have to do is be willing to look in, be in, willing to own your stuff, be willing to take a responsibility for your actions, be willing to take responsibility for your sin. See, there's a lot of us that we, well, we've really gotten away from this. We've really gotten away from the power of taking responsibility of our sin, the power of confession. And if you want freedom in your life, if you want victory over failure, you cannot walk through life just blaming others. You've got to take responsibility. Genesis 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 11. So God said, he had this conversation with them. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the, of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? I mean, okay, so we know this, right? God is sovereign. God is all-knowing. Did God not know that they ate of the fruit? Yes, he knew he ate, they ate of the fruit. God is pursuing them in the midst of their failure, and he's bringing them to the point to where they'll just own their stuff because that's when freedom is found. To they'll realize, yes, we did, so they'll admit it. Confession is powerful in the Christian life. Verse 12, so the man said, so Adam said, he did, does what a lot of us do. He began the blame game. Listen, let me tell you something. You will never find victory over failure in your life as long as you continue to blame everybody else in your life. If you never come to the point in your life 
to you're willing to take responsibility for your junk and your stuff. I'm telling you, you will never find freedom in your life. You will never find victory over your failure. And so look at what Adam does. He says, the woman you gave to to be with me. In other words, who's he blaming? He's blaming God. God, remember when we were in the garden together, it was just you and I and I was lonely, and you told me that you would make a helper suitable for me? Well, guess what? She wasn't suitable for me. Guess what? It's her fault I'm in this situation. Guess what? It's her fault that she gave me other... And so you know what God's doing, or Adam's doing? He's blaming God. So many people still do that today, right? God, the reason I live like this, the reason I act like this is because this is the way you wired me. I mean, it's your fault. You created me like this. And then he goes even deeper and watch this, and he's not done. He said, she, she gave me fruit of the tree. Now he's blaming her. Okay, listen. You will never find freedom in your failure. You will never find freedom in your sin. You will never be able to, you will, you will be stuck in your, in your failure for the rest of your life as long as you play the blame game. And then we get down to the point to where He kind of confessed. In just three words, and I ate. That is not a biblical confession. That will never bring freedom in your life. A biblical confession never includes the words and. You know what a biblical confession would have been? Just two words. I ate. I take responsibility. I didn't do it because of my wife. I didn't do it because of you. See, an apology is not an apology. When you look at someone and said, sorry, you're mad at me. I'm sorry you're mad at me, but this is what you did. Or a confession is never. I would have never treated you like that if you hadn't said that or you hadn't done that. The reason I did that I was stressed, going through a horrible time because of what you said, because of what you... That is never a biblical confession. And you know what? You'll never find freedom in your life. See, so many times people just go through this mode in life and they live a dysfunctional life because you know what? They live life like a victim. Listen, you do not have to be... You are not a victim. You're a child of God. So Adam confesses and... And yes, there's consequences to that. But here's the great thing and the reason that God pursued them and brought them to this point of confession because just a principle that, man, when you confess, God does not leave you there. He doesn't leave you in the midst of your failure. See, the reason he wants you to confess, the reason he wants you to admit is because he wants to lead you out of that. I mean, to where we're we're comfortable with just, just look in. Is look at how you've blown it. Look at your actions. I mean, there's interesting things about failure. Successful businessman. I'm reading an article in a business magazine, and they're interviewing some successful businessman, and they ask him a question. They said, "How did you learn to be so successful in business?" And he says, "Oh, good judgment." And so they ask him to the next question. Well, well, how did you how did you how did you get good judgment? And he said, "From experience." He says, "Well, where did you get where did you get that experience?" And they says, "From bad judgment." There's something about failure sometimes that teaches us some things, right? It may be don't ever do that again. 
But there's some things about failure in life when we have, when we have failed, when we have had difficulty, that there's some things that it, it teaches us. And, and we're to look in and we're to take responsibility. Listen, let me tell you something. There are some differences about losers and winners, right? A loser is someone that walks through life as a victim always looking for someone to blame. Doesn't matter the situation they're in, doesn't matter the circumstances they're in, they're always blaming someone. Whether it's their past, whether it's their parents, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a husband, a wife, an ex-husband, an ex-wife, whether it's relationships around them. See, a loser is this because a loser never moves out of that. A loser never takes responsibility for their stuff. But you know what a winner is? A winner is someone that's willing to take responsibility for their life and take responsibility for their actions because what Scripture teaches us, that's where freedom is found. See, many believers don't learn to give grace in life because they're so busy pointing the finger at everybody else and judging everybody else so they feel better about themselves. I'm telling you. The same way that God pursued Adam and Eve after he gave them just one rule and they blew it and he pursued them can I tell you this this morning God pursues you in the midst of your failure and God is pursuing you right now not to make you feel bad not to make you uncomfortable to bring freedom in your life and to bring healing in life because here's the real truth one day when we stand before God we're not going to give an account for anybody but ourselves. Listen, you don't have to give an account for me, and I don't have to give an account for you. You don't have to give an account for your wife, your husband, your kids. You only have to take responsibility for your life and your actions. So the first thing that happens when we have failure in our life, the first thing that should happen is we're willing not to play the blame game, but we're willing to look in and own our stuff and take responsibility. The second thing is this, is now we have to be willing to look up to where we look in, we own our stuff, we confess our stuff, and now we look up to him to do what only he can do. To forgive us. And to, well, verse 21 out of chapter 3 of Genesis. And so the Lord God, this is just so cool, his first sacrificial system. So the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin. So there's a shedding of the blood to get the skin. Because the scripture teaches that there's no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. And so he says, and for his wife, garments of skins. And look what he did. Man, he clothed them. It's a picture of forgiveness. It's a picture of covering sins. It's a picture of taking away sins. And so God is a God who forgives. See, the reason God wants to lead you to the point of confession is so that God can bring freedom in your life and so that there can be forgiveness of your sin because and he wants to provide for you yes there's consequences to sin yes there's consequences to our actions but listen you do not have to stay there and you look to him to provide and he wants to man he wants to provide for you spiritually and financially relationally man when you're stuck where you are Man, look up and watch God provide for you and trust Him. Listen, let me tell you something. Only God can turn the heart of a spouse back to you. Only God can turn the heart of a prodigal back to Him. 
and back to their parents. Only God can turn the heart of an individual back to him to follow him. God is, man, God is, God is sovereign. And here's the crazy thing. And he can use the failures in your life if you will allow him to. When we fail, isn't it in those failures of life that we sense that our desperate need for him? To where we're just helpless? And we need him to do some things for us that only he can do and we cannot do? Isn't it also true that sometimes in life when everything's going our way and the marriage is great, our dating, our dating relationships are great, or the economy's great, our job's great, the kids are doing well, the vacations are going well, isn't it in those times sometimes it's difficult to sense our need of him? But it's in the midst of our failure that we sense this, just this desperate need of him. Yeah. God, God pursued Adam and Eve in the midst of their, fa- of their failure. And he not only pursued them, he provided for them. So, when we fail, we have to be willing to look, up, look in on our junk and on our stuff. We have to be willing to look up and as we confess to accept uh, forgiveness and everything else. But listen, we cannot stay there. There's so many believers that never move to step three and four. So the third thing is, is this. The third thing is we look in, we look up, and now we look forward. In other words, we don't stay stuck in our failure. We don't stay stuck in our past. That we begin to move forward as we depend on God to provide for us uh, as we walk with him. And we, we, Well, Genesis chapter 4, verse 25. Here's what the scripture says. And Adam, Adam knew his wife again. I mean, now his son had killed the other son, and they had walked through that whole deal. And so it's a new beginning for them. And so God does not want you to live in your past. Listen, you cannot successfully drive a car by looking in the rearview mirror, right? And you cannot successfully live this life continually looking at the failure of your past. Listen, your failure is not who you are. You cannot find your identity in your failure. You cannot find your identity in your sin. Listen, if you find your identity in the failure, if you continue to look and find your identity, identity in the failure of your past, you will never move forward. And God does not want you to stay there. Verse 25 again. And so Adam knew his wife again. So it's a new beginning, and nobody can replace a child, especially a child that was lost in violence. And I get that, and I understand that. But also, there comes a day of a new beginning. And this was a new beginning for them. And she bore a son and called his name Seth, for she said, God has appointed for me another uh, offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. I mean, it was a new beginning for them. And God gives them a brand new son, and he gives them Seth. And they began to look forward to see how God was going to provide for them. Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. He said, not that I've already obtained this, is, is I'm already perfect. But I press on to make it my own. Here's just one of my favorite lines in this whole verse. Because Christ, Christ Jesus has made me his own. You are his. You are his child. And he loves you and he cares for you and he wants to provide for you. You're not trying to earn his acceptance. You're not trying to earn your way into heaven. You are his. Verse 13, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. 
But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And we have to come to that place that after we've had failure and after we've confessed it and God has forgiven us, you will look forward. Listen, let me just tell you, if you this morning, if you are consumed with the failure of the past, if you are consumed with the pain of the past, whether it's in childhood, whether it's a a marriage, whether it's relationships, let me just tell you, if you are consumed with the pain of your past, you'll never move on. You'll never move on. And you'll never find healing. And you'll never be able to move forward because you're continually looking back at the past. It's destroying. How did... How did Adam and Eve know that they had moved on? How did they know that they had moved forward? Real easy answer. We'll see it fleshed out in Scripture as we continue through this. Their past no longer worked against them. It worked for them. Their past no longer controlled them. They no longer saw their identity in the failure of the past. Let me just tell you. It's not where you've been that is so important. But it's where you're going. It's where you're going. And it's not over until it's over. That's why Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes, one of the wise, well, he was the wisest man of Scripture, probably the wisest man of, of, of history. And he said, you know, it's not so important how you start out life. What is important is how you end life. And that you finish what, and he had failure in his life. Some of you in this room, you may be stuck in the failures of your past. Divorce after divorce, business failure after business failure. Sleeping in the wrong bed, one bed right after another. One chemical addiction after another. Confessing the same sin over and over and over. And the evil one has creeped into your life. And it's destroying your life with your past. And saying things to you like, you got yourself into this mess, you get yourself out of it. How dare you go to God again? Asking for forgiveness for the same sin over and over and over. Man, listen, let me tell you something. You are not your past. And you are not a failure. Listen, you are a child of the living God. And, and he's not done with you. He wasn't done with Adam and Eve, even in the midst of their failure. He pursued them. And he pursues you so you come to the place and you own what is yours and you look up to him and you confess it. And you, you don't walk like that ever again. And then you look forward and you understand that your identity is not in your past. Too many people find their identity in their past. Listen, we worship of God, a God that is a God of the second and the third and the fourth and the sixth. And I can go on chance. And I don't know about you, but I am thankful for that. Listen, we, we have come to the place where we just, sometimes we don't just grab the power of, uh, of confession. We don't grab the power of understanding what it means to own what is ours. And there's not one of you in this room that have blown it completely. If you're still sucking air, 
God is not done with you. I don't care what your failure looks like. I don't care what your life looks like. I don't care what your past looks like. Listen, let me tell you something. God is not done with you. So here, I, I started this Saturday night, just kind of spur of the moment, thought it'd be a cool thing to try, and we tried it, and it was kind of cool. So we're going to just see if it works this morning. And so you guys, this is all skate time. You're going to have to play along. And so here's what I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you to turn to the person next to you, look them in the eyes, and say this. I have not blown it completely. Go ahead. Wow, how much stuff are you guys like confess? Are you confessing stuff? <laughs> okay, now let's go deeper, okay? Now turn and look each other in the eye and say this. You're forgiven. Isn't there power in that? Isn't there power, someone looking at you in the eyes? And saying, you haven't blown it completely. And you're forgiven. We're losing this in the local church. Just the power of a confession. The power of... Can you imagine how deeper our relationships would go if we were just honest with our stuff? And we just said, my bad, I did it. I ate. I, whatever. And have someone that means a great deal to you look you in the eyes and say, you're forgiven. You're released. This is what God was doing for Adam and Eve. See, in the midst of their failure, it just blows me away. In the midst of their failure, they weren't done with him. Or he wasn't done with them. And he pursued them. So, to find victory over failure, we look in. We look up to him for forgiveness to cover us. We look forward. And so we move on and we realize that our identity is not in the failures of the past. And that's not who we are. And the last thing is this. Is that we look out. Verse 26 out of Genesis chapter 4. This is just, this is just so cool to me. To Seth also a son was born. So now Adam and Eve have grandkids. And he called his name Enosh. And then watch this. This, this last sentence. The first time I ever read this and understood what it means, pretty much wiped me out. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. How'd they know? How'd they know? I mean, that's the question. How'd they know to call on the name of the Lord? fact is, when you research this verse, you realize that this is the first group of people, these are the first people that had a conversation with God other than Adam. Up until this point in Scripture, it was just Adam who talked with God. And now we realize the circle is widening, and this is the first example, this is the first experience of people other than Adam having a conversation with God. And so the question has to be asked, and then it also has to be answered, well, how'd they know? Who taught them? Adam. 
See, Adam knew the voice of God. See, Ben, you cannot lead your family spiritually unless you know the voice of God. See, Adam knew the voice of God. Adam knew the voice of God in the garden when things were going well, when things were going his way, when he was making great... I mean, he had conversations with God. God and Adam, you know, uh, walked together in the garden. He knew God's voice. Listen, he knew God's voice in his failure. When God pursued him and called out to him and said, where are you? Adam knew God's voice. Listen, it even goes deeper than that. Adam knew God's voice in forgiveness of sin. He knew that God was faithful and true. He knew that he was secure in his relationship with God. He knew that God pursued him even in the midst of his failure. So who taught Seth and his grandson to pray? Adam. And before you think that Adam was a failure as a parent, he was not. Yes, he failed to influence Cain. But though he failed, Adam would not fall again. And he was able to pass his faith. You see, he moved forward. He looked out. He knew God wasn't done with him. He knew he hadn't blown it completely. Yes, there was failure in his life. Yes, there was some failure as a parent. But you know what? He didn't see himself as a failure. And he passed his faith on to his son and to his grandson. Listen, there may be some of you here this morning that you know what? You came to Christ, Christ late in life. And you may carry some guilt and you may carry some emotion because you know what? You didn't know any better. You didn't, you didn't raise your kids in church. You didn't raise your kids to, to honor the scripture. Less, guess what? It is still not too late for you to look out. And begin to pass your faith on to your children. And begin to pass your faith down to your grandkids. You still have influence. See, Adam didn't see himself in the failure of his past. Adam was able to look forward and Adam was able to move on. Man. God hadn't given up. Please don't miss this. God hadn't given up on Adam. In the midst of his failure. And God has not given up on you. You may have given up on you. Some relationships around you may have given up on you. That are influential in your life and powerful in your life. But I'm telling you based on his word. Based on the authority of his word. I'm here to tell you this morning. Regardless of your failure, regardless of what your past looks like, regardless of the decisions that you made, regardless of the things that you've done over and over and over, God has not given up on you. And you need to receive that. And you need to come to the place to where you look in and you own it and you take responsibility for it. You look up as you confess and repent. And then you begin to look forward and realize it is a new day and it is a new beginning. And I am not my past, and I am not the failure of my past. That is not who I am. And then you look out in ministry and handing your faith off. It's not over till it's over. Then I hate to tell you, if you're here this morning and you are not a believer, you are not a Christian, this life is as good as it gets. But if you are a believer here this morning, and you know him, this life isn't as good as it gets. Mm 